For more resources, visit rymonline.org. The Local Youth Worker is a daily podcast that's centered on five questions each week. Ranging from the practical to the professional, we're looking for answers to the questions you're asking. Whether you're in full-time, part-time, or even volunteer youth ministry, this podcast is for you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Local Youth Worker, a daily podcast brought to you by Reformed Youth Ministries. I'm your host, John Parrott. All this week, we'll be talking with Dr. Walt Mueller. Uh, Walt, welcome. Hey, thanks, John. Anyone who's been involved with RYM is probably familiar with Walt as he's spoken at our annual Youth Leader Training Conference in Nashville, and he's often referenced on this very podcast. He's also been referenced on our blog. But Walt is the president of Center for Parent Youth Understanding, uh, which he'll tell us about uh, a little bit more in a minute. Uh, he's the author of numerous books, including Engaging the Soul of Youth Culture, The Space Between, Youth Culture 101, and many others. Uh, so, Walt, before we get started, would you mind just telling us a little bit about your family, family and then also a little bit more about CPYU? Yeah, sure, John. Um, well, my family, I have a wife, Lisa. We've been married. You know, you should have warned me you were going to ask this question. <laughs> we can edit that and uh, get back if yeah, you want No, to. no, no. You don't have to edit it. We're, we're coming up on... Um, 36 years wow. in May, so in just a few, and it's a it's a flash. You know, that's the thing about about time. I mean, it just goes by so doggone fast, and I, I it's so hard to believe. But so we've been married 36 years. She's involved in the ministry. Uh, I laugh because she has an official position here where she does some of her administrative work, and she has an even more official position as my wife, just to keep me grounded. I know you've had a chance <laughs> to meet her, and she takes that job seriously and and uh, does a really good job at that. In fact, I tell people that, you know, one of the one of the best things about her is she's just, you know, the Lord knows what He's doing. He just gave me a a perfect match. Neither of us perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but she sure is is there for me and my imperfections. Which, you know, in ministry, our our depravity can really rear its ugly head in some horrible, horrible ways. And Amen so. To that. Yep. You know, I'm just I'm just happy she's there uh, as a friend, as a wife, and as an accountability partner as well. Mm-hmm. And we have four adult kids. Um, two are married. Uh, two boys, two girls. Uh, the oldest two are married, and we have uh, five grandchildren now, ranging in age from four down to uh, a year old. So uh, they're they're a blast, and they've really fueled my desire to keep doing what I'm doing. You know, they, they've renewed my desire, I think. You know, my kids grew up, and, of course, you never stop being a parent, but when the grandkids come along, you're just so passionate about seeing them navigate this world and hmm. and, and understand and respond to the gospel in, in ways where they, you know, they're just saying emphatically yes to Jesus all the time. So we're really, you know, praying for them mm-hmm. with that. The, the difficulties the kids have to navigate in today's world are just overwhelming. Hmm, absolutely. And that'd probably be a good segue to tell us a little bit about what you do. And obviously, as we're, we're segueing into that, um, you mentioned Lisa. She's also um, does the voiceover for your podcast, too. So people yeah, are familiar yeah. with, with her voice if they've listened yeah, to Youth so, Culture Matters. Right, right. So we have a long-form podcast called Youth Culture Matters. 
And we've been doing that for a couple of years now. And that's, that's been a lot of fun. I mean, it's a great way. Technology is a good, good gift from God. And to be able to leverage it has is, is been, been pretty neat, you know, and see over the years. You know, we've been doing this, CPYU, for 29 years now. So to go from having technology that included an overhead projector, and that was about it. <laughs> uh, oh, VHS tapes. Yeah, I forgot about them. Cutting edge. And Yeah, to what we have now is just absolutely amazing in the way that, that we can leverage this. And yeah, so she's, she's the voiceover for that. And then, you know, we've had for, boy, I don't even know. I mean, it's probably 15 years now. We've been doing a, a one-minute daily radio spot called Youth Culture Today. It's on about 870 stations and then on our website as well. People can access it there, and so she's the voice on that. She, you want me to say what she used to do, right? She was in radio. Is that That's what right. you're that what you're getting to? Actually, yeah. I wasn't trying to lead you that way, but yeah. No, no. She and she. It's funny because you know she'll if if you get her in a corner on that, and you ask her about that. You know, she sometimes she won't. She doesn't divulge that very very much, but or quickly. But she's got a great voice, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, is really good. So it's. That's been a real asset to have her here to be able to do that. Now, did you ask me something else? Did you want me to tell you about, oh, our ministry, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I see I got sidetracked there. That's all right. It's no, we've, um, yeah, for 29 years we've been working very hard uh, to keep our finger on the pulse of culture, youth culture specifically, because I think youth culture is driving mainstream culture in many ways. And the reason we do that is because we believe that Anybody who loves, cares for, ministers to, works with teenagers and children, and even young adults now, needs to see themselves as no different than any cross-cultural foreign missionary. We may live on the same soil or under the same roof as our kids, but they're growing up in a a markedly different world, a markedly different culture. So we, we really believe that you know, godly people, followers of Christ, need to have an understanding of, of both God's Word and the world. Uh, you know, in order for us to, to bring the light of God's Word to bear on the realities that exist, we need to know the realities that exist. So Francis Schaeffer once said that, you know, if, we, if we're if we speaking to a world that no longer exists, we'll only be batting the air. And none of us wants our words to fall on deaf ears. So so that's what we do. We, we work pretty hard to, to provide information and analysis. It's gotten harder and harder as the years go on because there's much, much more in the culture and it's changing at a much faster rate. So we probably know far less now than we did 20, 25 years ago, but Hmm. uh, we're trying to look at the trends and, and, you know, help youth workers and parents and teachers and others track with the trends and be able to answer them with, with gospel truth. Well, I definitely personally appreciate your uh, ministry and have benefited from it as a youth worker, you know, for over 15 years. And then, now coming on staff with RYM, we've uh, loved uh, partnering with you and love what you guys are doing and, you know, always want to direct people to cpyu.org and uh, just the seemingly infinite resources you guys have on your website. Um, so thank you for your ministry. And um, those who are listening today, we do want to have Walt back on to talk about youth cultural issues, and I'm getting that on the record, so maybe uh, we can hold him to that. Um, but today I thought it'd be fun to talk to Walt as a former youth worker. Um, for those who don't know, Walt, how long did you do actual youth ministry in a local church? Uh, well, I was working in a local church for probably 12 to 13 years. So I started full-time in 1978. Before that, when I was in college, I did youth ministry for four years as a volunteer in a variety of settings. 
and then graduated from college, went into youth, youth ministry full-time, and we made the transition to what we're doing now uh, in 1990. So, you know, uh, we started CPYU in, in 89, uh, but we were just part-time. I was still in local church youth ministry, then we transitioned. So, you know, 12, 13 years in the local mm-hmm. church. And, and most of my work now, you know, I do a lot of work in local churches, you know. So, for example, you know, John, you know, when, when you were at Pear Orchard, I had the opportunity to come down there and, and work with the parents and the students together. So um, we're, we are really committed to the local church. Absolutely. And, and I'm sure some of these questions we're going to ask, well, some of that might come up a little bit. Um, but something we like to do on the show is, um, have youth workers on, and we ask them some basic five questions just to hear how youth workers do uh, youth ministry in various contexts all across the United States. And it's um, interesting just to hear the various answers they give. And so kind of taking you back to your years in youth ministry, um, the first question I want to ask you is, what was the best thing you did uh, in youth ministry? And this could be one thing, this could be a few things, but what are some yeah. things that come to mind as you think back over yeah. your years? Well, one of them that jumps into my head is uh, I stopped believing in lock-ins. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I ask youth workers about that all the time. I ran into a guy the other day. He was, you know, he was he was in his late thirties, and I just said, "Hey, Craig, you do do you believe?" I don't even say you do lock-ins. I say, "Do you believe in lock-ins?" <laughs> and he just looked at me and gave me an emphatic no. He goes, "Nothing good ever comes out of a lock-in," mm. but. Now, I'm kind of joking there, but, you know, I mean, that is one of the things you think about. I, I'll just tell you, as I started to have kids of my own, I remember coming home from a lock-in, which is basically trying to, you know, corral kids overnight for 12 to 14 hours and not have anyone escape or get in trouble and hope that maybe something good comes out of it. You know, the Lord will do something. It's miserable. Uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> and then you come home, and, you know, I was coming home to three little kids who were just waking up. Yep. They go, Daddy's home, you know, and they want to play and jump all over, and you're just going, let me sleep, you know, because you've got, you know, five pounds of pizza rumbling around in your stomach. You're all <laughs> off schedule. But, no, that's that was, I said that more as a joke. But <laughs> I, I think, you know, um, in anticipating this question, I wrote down three things, and it, right. it's certainly much more than that, but three came to mind right away. I think, you know, the first one was I married my wife, mm-hmm. and, you know, that... I, I did youth ministry when I was not married, and then I did youth ministry after I was married. And I just found that, it, you know, as it, it just the Lord just uses your spouse to, to ground you, I think. And, you know, one of the things that, and a bunch of my friends would say this who've been doing youth ministry a long time, and especially friends who have had rather prominent uh, positions in the world of youth ministry, so they're fairly well known, and that is that we would all say that our wives are not impressed by us. <laughs> and I think that's really important. They love us, and they support us, and they encourage us, but they don't, I mean, there's nothing that, you know, it's, it, they just keep you humble, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to explain. I mean, you're not, it sounds like a negative thing, but it's such a positive. I can't really explain it. So, yeah. you know, so you have that. But the other thing is that you know, being being married, and this is not a dig on people who are single in youth ministry. I'm not, just because I'm saying this, I'm not saying if you're single and doing youth ministry, go out, you know, and try to get married. I, I'm just going to say in my case, it was a good thing because 
my wife comes from a markedly different background than I do. And she comes from a markedly different background, especially at the level of her family of origin. And she brought into the ministry uh, just an amazing ability to connect with kids who had experienced the same kind of brokenness and chaos that she had experienced when she was going through her teenage years. And, you know, I think it's true. The Lord redeems our situations and he uses our difficulties and our suffering if we seek him and allow him. And, you know, when we're obedient, you've heard this term, understanding comes after obedience. And I think that, you know, people like that who, I mean, it's all of us, when we're obedient, God brings us out of difficult things and uses those things to his glory. So, you know, so I'd say my wife, I'd say second thing that I'm really glad I did. uh, And it took a while for me to figure this out. We made a deliberate shift to, to just being involved in ministry with parents. Hmm. Uh, I, I shifted from being a young, immature, and I would probably say in hindsight, arrogant person, who thought that I knew kids and I could do a better job than parents because they were hopelessly out of touch because of their age. Mm-hmm. Uh, I shifted from that to realizing that you know God has given these children as gifts to parents to steward, and my responsibility is to come alongside them. And I certainly did over the years of doing parent ministry have a lot of kids who did not come from intact families and did not have any positive spiritual nurture, you know, any gospel nurture, Christ-centered nurture in their home. And, you know, we'd have to stand in and and stand in the gap and become surrogate spiritual parents, so to speak. But I think just realizing supporting parents is important. And, you know, with that, part of your ministry to parents is if they don't know Christ, to get them into situations where they can mix and mingle with people who do know Christ and hopefully, you know, see God call them to himself so that'd be second that's a huge point sorry to to interrupt i mean that's something you hear almost i mean just repeatedly from youth workers Um, i thought if parents just got out of the way i could do ministry Um, yeah and then yeah after years of doing it something something about i mean the lord humbles you and and sees i mean god's beautiful design of the church and the body of christ and um anyway so yeah that's just yeah and and i would say you know that that triggers a little thought for me john that you know, a lot of, I think if we're doing youth ministry right, and we really have what people I think now today would label, you know, a missional mindset, that's a relatively newer term. Um, you know, basically, I think it's the mind of Christ, you know, for the lost. I think that our youth ministries in our, in our Reformed churches would be willing and and desiring uh, and endeavoring to reach far beyond the scope of just covenant families and to see covenant families embrace children from families that are outside of the kingdom and even those parents because we want to see them come to know Christ. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it it grieves me deeply when I run into youth ministry situations where a youth worker is trying to do that and then there's an element, be it large or small, but typically vocal that's saying, hey, this is this is for our kids. And if you bring kids in from the outside, our kids aren't allowed to come anymore. I mean, 
what a sad, sad thing. I mean, you're you're taking from from covenant children the opportunity to be salt and light mm-hmm. in a in a healthy situation. So, yeah, yeah. Hey, do you, you want me to give you the third thing? Because I wrote three things down. About yeah, the good. Best thing. Go for yeah. it. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. So, the third thing is go to seminary. Hmm. That was just yeah because I did youth ministry for four years before I went off to school, and and here's what I discovered. Um, I discovered that I had been given by God, uh, I think, relational abilities and a personality that allowed me to really connect pretty well with kids. I felt very comfortable around teenagers. I felt pretty secure in my ability to engage with them and interact with them. Um, so there was a lot in me, I think, that was innate, that was just part of the giftedness. But at the same time, I'm thinking, okay, I've got this great ability to connect, but I'm really not delivering what I need to be delivering in ways mm-hmm. that are truly effective and in ways that go deep. So when I went off to seminary, I didn't take any youth ministry classes. I just focused on biblical studies, theology, missiology, contextualization, um, you know, I remember classes like Modern Culture and Evangelism, which really lit me up, you know, because that's that's my bent. That's what I'm doing now. But I can't I can't tell you how valuable seminary was. And, and I would just say this. I, I would never push a youth worker away from seminary education. I would encourage youth workers to take a pause from youth full-time youth ministry, to go to a campus and actually become immersed in the in the student culture, in the academic culture, focus on your studies. And I would also say, try to find the best seminary you can find. Time and money should be no object. Get the mm-hmm. best education you can because what you're doing is you're investing in not just your ministry, but God's kingdom work. You're investing in kids. You're investing in parents. You're investing in the church. And I think if we you know, take the shortcuts. And, and let me just say, there are many of them out there for seminary right now. Hmm. There are some seminary educations that I would very quickly steer people away from. Um, but I think, I think, you know, get the best you can. Prepare yourself well. You know, three, four years, that's nothing. Mm-hmm. It's nothing. You know, when you're 21, it seems like, you know, a fifth of your life, and maybe it is. <laughs> but when you're 61 like I am, and you look back, you're going, those three years were three years well invested. And I wish I would invested a little more even. Yeah, that, that's some great advice. And like you said, to kind of have the perspective, see those three to four years of seminary, you're investing in students, you're investing in families, in the church. Um, and as you said, don't let money, um, you know, hinder that decision. Just a follow-up there. Do you have some advice on maybe a youth worker who's listening saying, well, money is kind of an issue for me. I don't think I could do seminary. Um, do you have any advice for yeah. some alternative ways to maybe go about, you know, raising that money or looking for churches for support? What are some yeah. thoughts there? Yeah. Yeah. I found burglary to be very helpful. <laughs> um, that, that was always yeah. my answer. Yeah. Yeah. No, you know, um, I think, to surround yourself with a group of people who believe that you've been called and who are willing to invest in your education and in your ministry through their prayers and through gifts is 
really the best way to go with this. And mm -hmm. even if it means, you know, wait a year, wait a couple of years to get there, really work and pray hard to find a team of people in a church that will do that. Um, you know, and I, and I get it. Some people don't have that. I also know that there's many, many people in our circles, and I, I went to seminary with some of them, who they were not, they, they grew up in Christian homes, and here they are getting an education, a seminary education to go into ministry, and they've received nothing but discouragement from their parents. Hmm. And the reason is purely economic. You know, how, how do you expect to make a living or care for your family or, you know, prepare for retirement if you're doing ministry? And I was always really at first surprised by that, but then consistently saddened when I'd run into those guys. And that, that really broke my heart because that was mm -hmm. not my experience, you know. And so if, if that's your experience, find a group of people who can support you and encourage you in terms of the development and exercise of your gifts for ministry. Mm -hmm. uh, I understand that sometimes even in Christian homes, there is deep, deep discouragement. Sure. Yeah. Well, Walt, thanks so much. That's some great perspective and great wisdom to share with us. I appreciate that.